Here it comes, the latest people, trends, and news on sustainable living in and around our corner of the country. Down to Earth with Mrs. Green, Spotlight on the Southwest. And now, Mrs. Green. Welcome, everybody. You are indeed listening to Down to Earth with Mrs. Green, Spotlight on the Southwest. I am Gina Murphy-Darling, and I thank you for listening and for being a part of Mrs. Green's world. The show today is literally for the birds, and I mean that. We're going to spend this next half hour talking about one of my favorite programs in our community that I have known about for years. It's Tucson Electric Power Company's Raptor Protection Program. And joining me in studio to tell us all about it is Larry Weigel, who's the Supervisor of Transmission and Distribution at TEP, so we're going to find out how that connects to the Raptor Program. And he is going to share with us a lot of things, but a couple of them are, why is a utility program company running a Raptor program, how it works, how it contributes to safety for us and those Raptors, and about some other community partners who help make it all work. Larry, thanks for being here, and you can tell that I really am excited, right? It's like I am a wildlife nut. Yes, that's coming through loud and clear. Thank you very much for having me. It's just fun in those raptors, and we have hawks all around here. And I have learned what happens and how I'm supposed to call and all of that stuff. But we have lots of hawks and Harris hawks and other kind of raptors all over the place here in Tucson, right? We've done a lot of protection in this very area. In this area. You see them, and they come out, and they drink in our fountain, and they take baths. I mean, we're just like a little wildlife center ourselves. I love that It's wonderful to see them. I know. So this is a shocker to me. Give First of all, give us an overall description of what the Raptor program is, and then we'll go into the minutia, the details. Certainly. We've had a program for well over 25 years at Tucson Electric Power Company. And what we do is we've got a proactive and a reactive part of the program. Reactive approach is, of course, responding to the unfortunate incidents that occur when a Raptor, Raptor becomes um part of the circuit and gets uh, electrocuted as a result of that. And that's just the nature of electricity. Those are the things that just happen. Um, the proactive part of the program is that we put Raptor protection on every single pole that we, every single new pole that we install in the service territory. And uh, we also have a nest protection program where we do nest surveys annually to find active nests, and we pr- uh, protect poles that are within a 300-meter radius of all of those active nests. Got it. I mean, that is a lot, and and we'll get to how the community helps being a watchdog, a watchdog for the bird program. I'm just full of those things today. So 25 years, how long have you been involved? I've been involved with the program for about nine years. I've got 31 years with Tucson Electric Power, and um, I got involved with the program about nine years ago. And so what's your background? And I want to know, like, what's your background and how did you get picked? Isn't it, was it a lucky day when you got involved in this program? Absolutely. I would think so. Yeah, I co-managed this program with uh, Jim Bennett. And he and I are both in the outside services department at Tucson Electric Power Company. I've got a finance background. So I started with the company as the mailboy and uh, came up through college and got it job in finance, got a degree in finance, and I was on the financial end of the company for many years. I got an opportunity to start working in the outside services department. 
And along with that, um, I was hand-selected to be uh, the co-manager of the Raptor Protection Program. Jim Bennett, my partner in the program, has got an IT background, information technology background, and he's in charge of vegetation management. So you might ask, why are a finance guy and an IT guy in charge I was, of the- <laughs> That was going to be my next question. It's just not the natural progression of things, but it's awesome. That's to me, right. it's like, it's really awesome. Maybe now you got to a place of doing something you really love. I can't speak for you, but outside program, doing all these other things is very different than doing numbers in the beautiful TEP building. Absolutely. Um, our predecessor, Joe Sheehy, who basically started this program, brought it up from its infancy, um, was about to retire. And so they asked him to hand select two people that he would like to carry the program forward. How awesome that is. Yeah. And he chose Jim and I because we've got a passion for wildlife and just avid outdoorsmen. And we just love the environment that we live in here in the Tucson Valley. So we were hand selected and Jim and I both feel that this is one of our best responsibilities we have at the company. It does a lot of good. And, you know, we live in a wildlife-rich area. The other day, you know, I just was walking up the stairs, and at the corner of my eye, I catch a movement, and I go out, and there's a bobcat in the yard. Mm -hmm. There are... There are stories like this. There's a, a Facebook page, Tucson Wildlife Sightings, and you wouldn't believe the things that we get to see in the city and pretty safely you know, for the animals and for us. We've kind of, we kind of cohabitat safely. Wouldn't that be a good way to describe it? Absolutely. It's just, you know, we just went out and I'm like, James, walk out, walk out. Mm. And it's blessed to be in a city and to be able to see some of those things happen. So... Why the Raptor program? How has it evolved since you've been involved eight years and you were aware of it? And how is TEP programs in, involved? How do you get directly involved in it? Does that make sense? I'm trying to get to a really minute point here of how does it all work? That's right. Um, just like anything, when there's a need, then uh, it's provided for. Um, TEP started this program 25 years ago, and back then the industry was relatively new. I mean, it's been part of the utility industry for a long time, but the the products and services that were available back then are a far cry from what they were they are now. Um, my predecessor Joe Sheehy tells stories about going through the warehouse and finding old rubber insulated blankets and wrapping them around some of the equipment on the poles just to provide some protection. Unbelievable. Yeah, but now the industry has grown up around the need for raptor protection. The awareness is out there, and so there's an industry that's just sprouted up around it. Now there's um, a whole array of different types of raptor protection insulators that can be applied to just about every piece of equipment on a pole. And so while the industry has been evolving, Tucson Electric Power's program has been evolving. We've worked with a lot of our community partners to help build the program that we have. And we're very proud of it. We take advantage of every opportunity like this to get the word out about it. And I love it. We're going to spread it far and wide. I can't wait till you listen to your own podcast. <laughs> um, so the equipment has dramatically dramatically, drastically improved from an old blanket to literally designed to be Raptor protection that's devices correct. around it. I mean, that's a big one. And what about like when you're expanding, which still happening in Tucson, are you going to put up new poles? Do you take into consideration the impact on the bird population? Is that one of the factors you look at? Absolutely. There's a couple of different ways that birds can get themselves in trouble with power poles. Number one is the electrocution that we've talked about. And number two is um, collision. Now, fortunately, 
in the valley that we live in, we don't have a whole lot of problems with collision because we don't have... What does collision mean? It's when a bird actually flies into the wire. Got okay? it. Okay. So it's Got it. colliding with the pole, colliding with the overhead facilities. Um, because we don't have a large migratory bird population with thousands of geese coming through and thousands right, right. of ducks and swans, um, we don't have a whole lot of problems with collision. So it's mostly just the electrocution that we have to deal with. And that's why we take every... Um, possible precaution to make sure that every pole that we put up in the Tucson Valley in our service territory has got a full complement of raptor protection on it. And that means that all new construction is built that way. Every time we have a large blowdown as a result of a storm event, all of those new poles go up with raptor protection. If there's any public improvement work where we have to do road widening, pole replacements as a result of any of that, all the new poles go up with raptor protection on them. And then and additionally, uh, addition to that, we do raptor protection in all of our, uh, as a result of all the nest site surveys and on the unfortunate incidents that do occur, we protect those poles as well. Stuff happens. That's I mean, correct. it does. And it happens out in the wild, too. It's not just because of utility poles. Birds, you should see the hawks that hunt out here in my front yard. Mm -hmm. Those poor dove and quail. It's like, yeah, we, we have incidents out there. No protection for them. What about, um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about this is not the only one in the country. It wasn't the first one. But in terms of the things that you just discussed, the safety and the protection and the placement, are there industry standards, best practices? I mean, how do you know? Is it just from your own experience or is there a, an aggregate of experiences that help you with best practices? Absolutely. There's a lot of resources that are out there, but one of the one that one of the best resources that we've found is uh, an organization called the Avian Powerline Interaction Committee. You're or, kidding. No, that's the a committee. Avian, <laughs> tell it again. Avian Powerline Interaction Committee. Okay. Or APLIC. <laughs> APLIC, not yes, AFLAC, APLIC. That's APLIC. Oh my gosh, not I love it. Not to be it. confused with the yeah. insurance company. Right. Um, APLIC. Tucson Electric it. Power is a member of that organization, as are many utilities throughout the United States. And it's uh, made up of utilities. It's made up of regulatory entities. It's made up of scientists. It's made up of biologists, all who have come together to try to come up with best practices to help build raptor friendly, raptor safe facilities to avoid electrocutions, avoid collisions, build in areas where there won't be the likelihood of collisions, and put facilities in place that a bird or other animals can perch upon and um, not get themselves in harm's way. And, you know, while you're sitting here talking and I'm being fully present and listening, the other brain is saying, does everybody realize what a good thing this is for ourselves, for our community, for the planet, for caring, for the wildlife? And it should make the news more often because we need to have more good news in this day and age. And I'm sitting there thinking, this program rocks and it should be front and center about what our local utility company is doing to help protect birds, literally. Certainly. And uh, Jim and I think this is an honor to have this responsibility. Um, of course, we both have... What a great thing to say. That's right. Seriously. I mean, that is awesome. So, I want to ask you this, and is this true? Because I'm not the expert on this at all. Can, can birds sit on the wires that you see and not be... You see all these birds. We call them bird meetings. And then the danger is when they sit on the pole, which is wood. Is that... Tell me how that works. 
Well, that was one of the questions that I had when I first got to the transmission yeah. distribution area, too, is I thought, uh, you see birds sitting on wires all the time. All the time, everywhere. Without getting electrocuted. So how does that occur? Well, the nature of, of an electrocution is you have to go between two phases of power or one phase and a ground. And what I'm talking about is if you have a distribution pole, a power pole, there can be between two and four wires in the top position on that pole. We call those wires phases. Okay. Okay. So even though they're all part of the same circuit, there's a differential in the current that flows between each one of those phases or between the ground wire that also accompanies those phases on the power pole. Now, where a bird can get in trouble is when they can go from phase to phase or phase to ground. So just from when they're just from where they're sitting on the pole. That's literally. Correct. That's correct. So and technically, if you wanted to, or if you had the the ability to do it, you could jump up and grab onto that one wire and be perfectly safe as long as you didn't touch the ground or as long as you didn't touch another wire. We are not recommending this for our we listeners. We don't recommend this. Don't try this at home, kids. Do not try this at home. You're thinking, you know, and I'm yeah. saying, oh my gosh, yeah, that's yeah. really scary. And then it's kind of scary also that I get what you were saying because it's the transmission of the power from the power source down to the ground to our house. That's correct. There's, it's a complicated transaction, as I would like to say. There's nothing about that that I want to learn more about. It, I just want my electricity to come through, especially when it's starting to get hot. Um, so you have that. Does it matter? Like, do big birds get it more or small birds, you know what I'm saying? Do they, yep. Is there a higher injury rate or fatality rate, I would say, for bigger birds? Absolutely. The smaller birds, say the size of a pigeon or a dove or a sparrow, they don't have a wingspan great enough to Got go it. from face to face or from face to ground. It's the larger birds, the uh, great horned owl, red-tailed oh. hawk, Harris hawk, turkey vulture. We have a lot of ravens in the, in the valley. Those are the birds that can get themselves into trouble because they do have that wingspan that can go from face to face or face to ground. So those are the ones that we really target our protection towards. And it's all of those. And I mean, like ravens, we are getting some really supersized ravens in our neighborhood. I've lived here for 25 years, 41 years. I'm taking off of you. And I'm like, we have really big ravens in this. They look like turkey vultures. They're so big. Um, so they must be feeding those well out there in the desert. Talk a little bit about some of your community partners. Who else is part of this? I know it's not just you. There's some critical community partners. And isn't Tucson Wildlife Center one of them? Yes, they are. Absolutely. I think we after a program, I went out there because I heard about this. And I'm like, I have to go and see it. And it's amazing. They one of its kind. They have a facility out there. Yeah, we partner with Lisa Bates on a lot of our um, volunteer efforts and a lot of our um, grants that make a difference. Um some of our partners include, um, of course, my partner, Jim Bennett at the at TEP, um, our corporate leadership. Um, TEP is a very big proponent, a big sponsor of this program. We work with our design group. We work with our construction group. And, that, and external partners, we work very closely with the University of Arizona. In fact, we work on an almost daily basis with representatives from the University of Arizona. So Dr. what are you doing with them? Dr. Bill Mannon, who is a professor at the College of Natural Resources, was one of the people that started, helped start this program. Wow. 
very early on, we realized that we didn't have enough expertise on the the nature of wildlife and the um, behavior of wildlife to be able to... utility company. <laughs> that's right. We are experts in energy, but we are not necessarily experts in animals. So we partnered with Bill Mannon early on, and they've provided us with field research, uh, research assistants that um, work with Jim and I or with our predecessor and I to do nest site evaluations. They help us determine the cause of death. If there is a, uh, if we find a dead bird out in the field, wow. it's not always an electrocution. They help us determine whether it was an electrocution. Um, they help us determine the level of protection that has been applied or level of protection that needs to be put, applied on these poles. And they also provide us with an annual report card of how we did in the previous year on the protection that was recommended versus the protection that was applied. And I would think then you two, you and Jim, look at, evaluate, assess, and figure out corrective action. Absolutely. It's amazing to me. It's like everybody press pause, the thoroughness and the integration of all of the pieces. It's not just a dead bird. It's an opportunity to learn and correct and make an even bigger difference. Absolutely. It's awesome. And think of all they do with our rodent population and all those right. other things. So, yeah, it's good. Anybody else? I want to tag that, the College of Natural Resources. That's a great partner. Absolutely. The Arizona Game and Fish Department are actually very, very, very big sponsors of this program, too. We work with um, Mark Hart and Locana D'Souza, who are our partners at the Arizona Game and Fish Department, and they report wildlife activity to us. We report all of our incidents and all of our protection applied to them. Um, we work with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. and. Got it. Our annual report goes to them just to make sure that TP is in compliance with all of the uh, laws that govern this program. Um, we work with Tucson Audubon. In fact, I'm going to be doing a pre presentation, a public presentation sponsored by the Audubon this Saturday. Um, so we do these public presentations, and Audubon has invited us out this Saturday to do one. Um, we do volunteer work with Wild at Heart. What is that? I want to know what that is. Yeah. I saw that on my show prep notes. I'm like, what's Wild at Heart? It sounds like something I'd like to be a part That's of. That's right. What is that? That organization helps relocate burrowing owls. That's one of their one of their things. And wow. So if a, a construction is going to take place and there's a burrowing owl habitat that may be disrupted, this organization, Wild at Heart, will capture those owls. And then we, um, they'll go out and build an alternative burrow location for them, and then they net, they net, or they they tent over that burrow, allowing those owls to get acclimated. acclimated. You're kidding. And then when the the owls are accl acclimated, they lift the nets, lift the tent, and then those birds have found a new home. So TEP has volunteered. Uh, to work with them to help set up some of these burrows. It's a really neat volunteer opportunity. I'm going to be all over it. That's I'm right. going to be watching it and seeing it and tagging it. And really, I had no idea. It's just another good news. Let's hear mm -hmm. some more. I'm all for it. So I would think, based on how many people I know at TEP and how many friends I literally call friends there, um, they care. So they're partners, in a sense. Agreed? Absolutely. All of our customers and all customers. of our employees are big parts of this program. Um, they're actually our eyes and ears out there in the 
in the city that help report to us uh, high levels of activity, if there's an unfortunate incident, if they find a nest site. Um, we get calls from um, all of our customers, either through our customer service line, through Game and Fish, through Fish and Wildlife. Um, of course, our employees are out there all day, every day. We have line construction crews out there in the field all the time. And when they see these high levels of activity or nests or things that they think need attention, they know to call Jim and I as well. So, It's, it's really a, a great system, and it's, it sounds like it's fine-tuned. So you're basically the conduit, no pun intended, for when there are sightings. I'm so good today, right? I think I'm really on about sure. um, getting the information to you guys, and then you can have a plan of action. So that's what I'd love to know. So you get the call, or Jim gets the call. What happens then? What we do is, of course, we determine, um, based on our field evaluation conducted by the U of A, and Jim and I, what protection needs to be applied. Based on that, we carry a map out in the field that's got all of our facilities on it. We mark up that map with a recommendation for protection. That recommendation goes to our design team. And they're actually the experts at this because Jim and I, again, we're finance and IT people. We turn it over to the people who really know what they're doing. Right. And that's our design group. They make the final recommendation of what needs to be applied. Then a, a work order is generated and scheduled, and then our construction group goes out and applies that protection. So give me an example when you say that protection. Could it be move the nest, build a new nest, um, put extra insulation on, get an old blanket, make sure it's wrapped up in there? What does that protection look like? What are some examples of the steps? It can be all of that that you just mentioned. Except just the old blanket. I'm sure you don't have to use that anymore. More blankets. <laughs> But Just it can be ones. all of that. Uh, generally speaking, what we do is we take each pole and we apply the protection that would make it impossible or nearly impossible for a bird to go face to face or face to ground. And each pole is unique. Um, some of them just have the wires on them. Some of them have those big canisters that are called transformers on them. Right. Right. Look like a big can. Yes. I've never noticed poles so much as when I heard about the Raptor program. That's right. So based on ago. the equipment that's out there, we... Um, have our crews apply the protection that is uh, recommended for that specific piece of equipment. Now, if we do have a nest on one of our facilities, um, the best thing to do is to wait until the babies fledge. If it's an active nest, we'll wait until those babies leave the nest. You don't want to disturb it. No, you don't want to disturb it. Because if you get close to that nest, it's going to startle the birds and then they're going to fly out. And if they haven't gotten their wings yet, then there's a likelihood that they'll... Um, get injured in the fall. So we leave them until they've um, fledged from the nest. After that, we make a determination whether we can protect around that nest or if we can relocate that nest to a better spot. And we have these manufactured nest boxes that we've installed around town. We've got several, several of them installed around town where we'll transfer the nest into the nest box and then wait and hope that the birds return. And it's not an exact science. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But we've had a pretty good success rate. It's just the effort to protect them that impresses me so much. And there is a question that popped in that I wanted to ask. In terms, since I love the Tucson Wildlife Center, how do you partner with them? Do you take the injured birds there? I think that's what I remember is going in and you have this huge thing that TEP built I, I'm not kidding. I went out there to take a whole tour of the place where they are reintroduced to flight if they can, you know, have a safe opportunity to grow the, their 
you know, the strength of their wings back. So is that pretty much the partnership with the Tucson um, Wildlife Center? That's absolutely right. Um, now, unfortunately, in an, an electrical event, um, a lot of those birds can't be re rehabilitated. Um, so we do bring them to them if there's a possibility, but sometimes that they just can't be saved. But if they can be saved, then they are experts at Tucson Wildlife Center at rehabilitating those birds. Tucson Electric Power was out there in the last few years, and we helped build this eagle fly. It's massive. Zone. It's massive. And it's, uh, I believe it's the only one in existence in southern Arizona. And uh, it, it allows these birds that are just getting back on their wings to stretch those wings out and fly a fairly good distance and get themselves rehabilitated. And they teach them how to hunt again, and they teach them how to fly again. And when they're ready to go, they get released into the wild. And if not, they have really deluxe facilities that the birds can stay in. I mean, it's like, it's really cool. I was there and the there's some coyotes, like they're the mother right. and father of the coyotes, right? And every day, some of their pups come to visit. They're out in the wild. And I was there when it happened. I was like, my friend Dan was the executive director at the time or the development director. And he's like, Gina, you got to see this. And there the coyotes came at a certain time. He said they come every day. So nature is so unbelievably beautiful and fascinating. So I'm curious about, other than Mrs. Green's world, Down to Earth, Spotlight on the Southwest, and I'm um, tongue-in-cheek, how do you get the word out to educate people that you even exist? I mean, we're a big city. The TEP is not known for its raptor program because you're doing a lot of other things. I am particularly in love with the energy efficiency programs because it's saving a lot of electricity. So how do you get the word out? What are some of the most effective ways to publicize it so people know? Well, we do have a website, tep.com, that has information about our raptor protection program. We do uh, television commercials. You may have seen uh, myself and Starlight Noel Armenta, who's from the U of, U of A, on a commercial recently. Um, we, that's awesome. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I'll be looking. Well, that's really a good way. I can send you a copy. Please, send yeah. me the link. I would I'm, love I, it, please. I make my family watch it all the time. <laughs> I don't blame you. I love it. You'll get a kick out of it, too. We do as many public presentations as possible. And again, we have one this Saturday coming up um, that the Audubon has asked us to do. And as many opportunities as we can get to go to speak to homeowners associations or any public like venue. Schools that will, and schools. PTAs, yep. are those good places? Yep. We had an opportunity to speak to Catalina Foothills uh, Elementary School in their first Lego League um, competition. They asked me to come give them a lecture on raptor protection. It was one of the most rewarding opportunities I've ever had. They actually incorporated some of my presentation into their competition and built a beautiful video out of the whole thing. Kids in elementary school? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And getting them at that age. Will you do a presentation to my Rotary Club? Why don't I ask you right on air? Come on, Larry. Certainly. Because <laughs> I bring great presenters to them. It's a very active club here in Tucson, and they love all of the things that Mrs. Green's World brings to their attention and their education. It's an active group of people, so I think that's a great idea. We'd be more than happy to do that. So if someone sees an incident, we talked about it a little bit, um, which would be a nest or a high level of activity, having their, you know, their bird-watching um, eyes on – what do they do? You can call the customer service number, Tucson Electric Power's customer service number, and that's 
631-7711 and report the incident, the activity to them. They know exactly who to call. I get emails um, from the customer service group regularly, and uh, that sends Jim and I into action. I know. You're deployed. We're deployed. It's really really important. And I always say if you're driving and you're listening to this, you have your podcast um, earbuds in, just call. You can email Gina at Mrs. Green's World or Kelly at Mrs. Green's World, and you will get directed to the right people. And I just have to say this. I do a plug for this. The TEP website is really easy to navigate. And I think Jen Ziegler loves it every time I say that. But it really is. You put it in the search bar. I put in Raptor program and like you're right there. I have to make a correction. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong notes. But the phone number is actually 623-7711. That's good because I had that on my notes and I figured you had the most accurate information. Yep. A typing O. Uh, Six two three seven seven one one. That's correct. Six two three seven seven one one. I we're we're going to wrap up, which like seems. I know I say this so much, but it's so true every time. I mean it, you guys that are listening out there. The show flies. There are we mentioned the TEP website. There's a great Facebook page, Tucson Electric Power. Twitter is TEP Energy, and I would I would recommend people that they. There's another one when they have power outages, and I get. It, there's tweets about if there's power outages, we're getting hot now. And you also now have a Tucson Electric Power um, Instagram, which is one of my favorite ways. And I just want to do a quick shout out. On June 6, Michael Brune, who's the head of the um, Sierra Club, great guest, wonderful interview. He'll be sharing things about what they're doing to fight climate change. And then on June 8th, there's a woman named Diane Pert. Just remember that name. She started a company in Phoenix called Truce, and it's going to be the truce about safe cleaning products. They have all of their manufacturing. The products are grown, seven ingredients, and I'm interested to share that with everybody. So thank you, Larry, for being on the show and for telling me all about the Raptor program. And I'll ask you some things off show, like when there's a nest, can you just text me and I'll come out there. Everybody make it a great green day. And thanks to TEP for support of Mrs. Green's World and sponsoring this show. And again, Larry, thanks. It's been delightful. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an honor. 